for listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. Let me just say to you, though, before I start, um, this message uh, today, I need you to have a bit of uh, compassion towards me because I'm not preaching to you today as an expert. I'm not coming to you with all the answers. I've got to tell you that exactly what I'm preaching today is what God's talking to me about. And uh, so I don't come as an expert. I'm a know-it-all. I'm actually sitting in the seats with you listening to myself and because God has been quite clear on this, that he's talking to me about it, but it's a good word for everybody. So I do want to pray if that's okay. Father, we thank you so much that you're in control of everything that seems out of control, Father. Lord, I pray that the words I say today are yours, that you might hear my voice. Lord, I pray that it's you they hear, Father. So, Father, just be with us today and help me through this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about a world in disorder. So many things throw a world into disorder, doesn't it? And we take them for granted, that's the problem. You know, sex and money and temptations and lack of morality, all these sort of things throw our world into disorder. And I believe they all revolve around one thing, and it's the chase for the power and the authority. People use sex as power over other people. They use money as power over people. And the lack of morality to gain power. So what does the world see as power and authority? They may seem the same, power and authority, but they're not. In fact, power is the, uh, the capacity of an individual to influence the will or conduct of another person, where authority is the right possessed by a person to give a command to others. As a human race, we, we struggle, we lose our way when we chase after power and authority. You only need to look right at the very beginning at Adam and Eve when they chased after power and authority and look how that ended for them. We're not good at chasing power and authority. And we think we can get our lives in order today just by reading about it. I mean, if we just think about it, we can become rich. Wouldn't that be awesome? Imagine just sitting there and I'm thinking about being rich and now I'm going to be rich. That's awesome. There are principles we can follow to get where we want to be in life. There are secrets we can know to get the, the parents, the secrets that we can know. But they're in a book. How can they be a secret if it's written in a book? I've never understood that one. Then, of course, there's a success that no one's ever done before. It's trailblazing. It's amazing. No one's ever done this success before. <laughs> Chasing this life can lead to ruin and incorrect power and authority. And it leads to a constant struggle. Any businessman will tell you that you have to work twice as hard as the next one to get in front, to become number one, to be the top dog. Elon Musk is the world's richest man. He starts his day at about 7 o'clock in the morning. He rarely has time for breakfast and he rushes out. He's not good at multitasking, which you'd think is amazing. You'd think he would be, but he's not. He forgets to check his emails daily. He sometimes doesn't check them for days. And he works seven days a week. He's too busy to eat lunch, so he normally gulps it during his meetings. He is efficient, and it demands exactly the same from his employees. And he will leave meetings abruptly when he feels they're no longer useful for his meeting or for his businesses. His evenings are usually occupied with work. He eats snacks, light meals, 
and uh, Diet Coke until 10 o'clock at night uh, when he goes home. And he doesn't sleep much, so when he gets home, he continues to do work. Doesn't talk to his family much, still doing work where he goes to bed about 3 o'clock in the morning just to get up again at 7. It's a really tough thing to do. To gain the prize of the richest man in the world, he has to uh, have this perceived power. He must give up everything. He's not alone. Sportsmen do exactly the same things. This is Serena Williams. So her day looks like this. She starts at 7am and does breakfast. 8am, tennis practice with Venus. She eats lunch at 12. 2pm, she does strength training. Then at 4pm, she does dance class. Interesting. 5pm, does rehab. 6, dinner with family. And 8, she's on social media and promotional work until she goes to bed at 10. What strikes me about this, I mean, she works very hard, right? But she spends more time, as much time on promoting herself as she does at practising the game that she's playing. It's incredible. She's just finished her career, and she never quite got the records of Margaret Court. Yes. <laughs> and she'll be remembered for two things, unfortunately, of late. Is one, what a terrible winner she was. When she won, she was not happy. And the other thing was, what an even worse loser she was. She would never compliment people. Her life was driven by her. It's a shame now that people think that. They don't know whether to love her or dislike her because of her attitude to things. She, uh, have I read the quote? Sorry, that quote is, she says, all I know is that I do work very, very hard. The other day I was on court for four hours with my coach and everyone was like, okay, are you crazy? No, I'm just really intense. I work really, really hard. As long as you're willing to do the hard work, you'll have everything. And that's what I say. She's worked so hard just to be the best she can be for herself. But she has this underlying thing that people don't particularly like, which is a real shame because she was a champion. And then there are people who work, uh, who don't want to do the work to gain power and authority. They want to do it the easy way. This is my son, Scott. He recently said to me when I went to visit him, wow, I cannot get emotional about this. When I went to visit him in jail, he said he wanted the things he didn't have growing up. He wanted people to respect him and fear him. He wanted the power to decide where he lived and in what kind of home, and to have any car he wanted. Scott was recruited uh, by an outlaw bikey gang when he was about 15. He left school in year nine, um, and he was uh, taken up by these bikies, and he was a hitman. He was not a hitman, no, he was not a hitman. He was, he was a standover man. He'd go and collect money for these guys, and they got him. They, he, this power and authority that he wanted was not his. It was run by somebody else, and it took absolute control of his life. He says he spends most of his time now, you know, dodging other drug dealers and that sort of thing and other gang members who want him. He can't get the power and authority he wants because he's always running from that. It has cost him nearly eight years of his 36 years of age in jail because he's chasing this ultimate power and authority that he didn't want to work for. He didn't want to do the hard yards. He wanted to do the easy stuff about it. And that won't work either. To achieve ultimate power and authority, it costs you 100% and it's at any cost and regardless of who gets in your way. All the time, someone's trying to take you down, knock you off your perch. You're vulnerable. You give all of yourself to it, more than you thought you would, more than is reasonable. But for what? To amass a lot? To, have lots, to leave lots for your kids? They soon realise the power and authority they yearn for is running them and they're not running it anymore. It's like the dog wagging the tail. No, the tail wagging the dog. 
it's, it's not right that you chase after and it's running your life. You have to feed the beast and life becomes out of order. And that kind of power is only for you. You hear my heart here today. There is nothing wrong with a strong work ethic. I think it's admirable. You should be working hard. You should be doing all you can to get ahead. But at what cost? There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it's great. Proverbs 10 tells us this. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So God says you should work hard. But why do you chase after it? Our world has become very disordered and has become very me-focused. Sex, money, gender, social media, morality. We're tired of it. We're disillusioned and battling to rise above it. And as a church, have we become like this too? Tom Rayner talks about 10 warning signs of an inwardly focused church. So focused on us that we forget about the great, to be a great commission church. We focus about what happens in here that we don't worry about what happens out there. We spend so much time as a church focusing on a Sunday that we forget about Monday to Saturday. We're just so concerned with what we do in here. We look for the funkiest building, the coolest pastors. <laughs> it's not our church, is it? We look for the coolest pastors, the best musos. We want smoke machines, lights, black walls. For what? We forget that this is a great place of importance. It's becoming a place of entertainment when it needs to be a place of recovery. As a church, if people don't see church as a place where they can come and get healed and recover in life, then we're missing the point. And don't worry, congregation, you all get to have a bit of a chat here. Remember I said at the start, I'm not telling you this as an expert, I'm sitting beside you. But as a congregation, not this congregation, all congregations, we become entitled we deserve special attention. We're more concerned with change. How dare you change something? I'm comfortable. Don't, don't push over the apple car. Leave it as it is. Change is important. We have an apathy for evangelism. People don't share their faith anymore. People don't want to upset people or say the wrong thing. People forget to share their faith. And as a church, this church, we've seen that creeping in and we're doing everything we can to get rid of it. People will leave church. People will get upset. I'm here to tell you this morning that the gospel is not meant to be comfortable. It's not here to make you feel good. It's here to change your life. It's here to change your direction. It's here to point people to Jesus. That's what the gospel is about. And that's what we are as a church. So we're not going to stand for it. We are not going to become comfortable. We are not going to look at what we do inside, what programs we have. All those things are important. But if not about furthering the gospel and seeing people come to Christ, then we're missing the point. As a church, we must be outwardly focused. Power and authority doesn't come from what we've done and what we've achieved. Power and authority comes from whose we are and what we've received. That power and authority is already there for us. There is a power and authority that is already available to us. There's no striving for it. We don't battle for it. We don't try to knock the next person off their perch to get that power and authority. It is already there through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.18.22 says this, Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sealed him at the right hand in the heavenly places. For above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, 
not only in this age, but also for the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over the things of the church. Jesus Christ is above everything. And that power and authority is ours to have today. Today is in us. I'm desperate to see a church who sees miracles happen again, where we have an understanding of the power and authority that we have in the name of Jesus. I said to you, I don't have all the answers, but I'm absolutely chasing them. God is challenging me on this every day to find his power and authority and see it work out in people. I've been reading this book, thanks to Dave. It's funny saying reading a book because I'm actually listening to it in my car, but it doesn't sound right saying listening to a book. But uh, it's called The Prophetic Warrior. And something this lady said in that just really struck a chord to me. She said, we are the only creation in the entire cosmos that has the same power and authority that God has. Angels don't have the power and authority that we have. It's an amazing thing. Matthew 28 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you, to me. And that power comes from God. And it gives us the capacity to do something. His authority gives us the right to do it. Let me read that to you again. The power that comes from God gives us the capacity to do something. His authority gives us the right to do it in accordance to his will. Even angels don't have that authority. They have the power, but not the authority. They are task-driven, they are sent out by God, and then they come back and wait for more directions. People wonder, how does the devil get at us? How, does, how do demons get to us? Where do they get their authority from? They get their authority from us. We give it up. We lay down and let it happen. Demons get their authority from us. They don't get it from God. Angels don't have that authority. We give it to them. We let ours go. But it shouldn't be that way. Luke ten nineteen says, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nothing. We have all authority. But do we believe it? I've no doubt that God can heal, can set people free, can restore lives, restore the broken. But I rarely see it anymore. In my prayer times, I ask for it, and I don't see it. I remember as a young Christian at the Baptist church, this guy came in with stomach cancer and I'd been saved, I don't know, maybe six months. Tom would have been there at the time. This guy came in purely out of fear that he was going to die. And four of us yobos with long hair and earrings prayed for this bloke, not knowing what power and authority he had, but we just trusted 100% that God could do it because God was everything to us. We were just saved. The guy got healed and left church, never to come back again. And I always wondered what happened to that bloke. He had no revelation of Christ at all in his life. He just knew he needed to come to church. Well, I moved house two years ago and he's my neighbour. And he's still alive. And I've spoken to him about it. He doesn't understand the power and authority that he has or we had. When we didn't, we just prayed for him because we believed no doubt that God could heal him. That's how we all should be. Because nothing's changed. Jesus hasn't changed. The cross hasn't changed. Everything's the same. We change. I have had incredible healing myself, but I've never come to that point again where I've prayed for someone and they've had the same thing happen. I've seen it in the past, so why not today? Has the spirit gone? Is God still into miracles? Are there other things that take our attention? You know, we talk about a disordered world, sex, money, social, sports, habits. How much are we prepared to give up to have that closeness with God to see real change in people's lives? How much?
Mark 10:17 says this. And as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all of these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you have treasures in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He could have walked side by side with Jesus but he just couldn't let go of the things that he had. And I think sometimes we get like that. Now, it's not great riches. There's other things that take our minds from God. There's other things that we're not prepared to let go of. We're like the rich young ruler... Billy Graham had this to say once. He said, One response was given by the innkeeper when Mary and Joseph wanted to find a room where the child could be born. The innkeeper was not hostile. He was not opposed to them. But his inn was crowded. His hands were full. And he says, This is the answer of millions are giving today. Like the Bethlehem keeper, they cannot find room for Christ. All the accommodations in the heart are already taken up by other crowding interests. The response is not atheism, it is not defiance, it is a preoccupation and a feeling of being able to get reasonably well, get on reasonably well without Christ. Has the church done this? Have we filled up on so many things that we no longer have room for Christ? We need to start freeing up space in our lives. We need to start freeing up the things that aren't drawing attention to Christ in our lives, so everything points to Jesus. We need to do that. If we start to see the move, sorry, if we want to start to see the move of the Spirit, we need a closeness like never before. We need to throw off distractions. James 4, 3 to 9, warns us about this. It says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. I believe that sometimes we feel powerful against the works of the enemy. I think when the attacks come, we just take it. We just put up with it and we don't fight back because we don't understand the power and authority that we have. And we have that over the enemy. In James 4, 3 to another someone, isn't it? Paul is pleading with them to wake up. This is Paul talking to the church of Ephesus, that they are not powerless. He's telling them, you're not powerless. All power and authority they have. He could be telling that to us today. He could be standing right here today and saying, you're not powerless. You have all authority. We need to open our spiritual eyes to see the same power that spoke the world into being the same power that created everything in the universe, the same power that grabbed a bit of dust and made man, and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, today is yours. It's the same power. 
We have exactly that. Exactly what God has, we have. We need to understand that. There is no name higher and everything is placed under his feet for our benefit. We can only have this revelation when we have a closeness to God. And if we want to see people healed or set free of cancer or see mental health repaired, we must have a revelation that the same power and authority that God has, we have through Jesus. And it's ours to overcome the enemy. Matthew 18 says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two or more of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or more are gathered, there he is in, in the midst of us. Do you believe it? When you stand with your mates and pray, do you believe that Jesus is standing beside you? and that he can do anything. We need to chase after the things of God. We need to lay down distractions that stop us having a revelation of the power and authority. And we need to ask to see the supernatural again for the glory of God. We start a launch point to see the supernatural happen. I want this place to be full on a Tuesday night where people are believing that that people are going to get healed, they're going to get set free, we're going to see amazing things happen because we come together and we believe in that power and authority that we have in Jesus' name. So, you know, the challenge today is that, is do we believe? Do we want to believe? Do we want to actually lay down the things that hold us back and stop us from doing all that God wants for us? We have, I say this all the time, we have friends and family who don't know Jesus. We have friends and family who are sick and we should be believing of that power to set them free, to restore them, to see them walk with Christ. Everything in our lives has to point to Jesus and that power and authority is there for us to use. Can I have the musos come back up again? So let me leave you with that. Let me encourage you. I'm sorry if it got a bit... Uh, uh, a bit of a tell-off, but it's not. It's an encouragement. We need to chase after God. We need that power and authority in our lives, and it's there for us to take. We don't have to work at it. It's not going to cost us anything. It's already cost Jesus everything. We need to believe for that. Thanks very much. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.